What's good, everybody? This episode of the podcast is sponsored by DistroKid. They are the go-to for digital music distribution and the easiest way for musicians to get your music onto Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, TikTok, YouTube, and more. They offer unlimited uploads, and artists keep 100% of their earnings in stores 10 to 20 times faster than any other distributor. Fastest payouts. They help out with automatic splits, cover song clearance, and all kinds of other amazing tools and templates to help you get the most visibility for your releases. I dig this company and really appreciate their business model that offers more features than any other distributor at the most affordable price possible for solo musicians, bands, studio artists, DJs, and any other creators that are producing music in their home. And they also offer label services as well. They're distributing over a third of the world's digital music at this point. And the best part about DistroKid sponsoring the podcast is that they are offering Dan Cable Presents listeners 30% off your first year of membership, making their already affordable services even cheaper. Check out the link in the episode notes. I will also put it in my Instagram bio in the link tree. Click that link and it will give you 30% off your first year of service. Super stoked to have DistroKid sponsoring the podcast and can't thank them enough for their support of this thing. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by Drops. Drops are an organ-based edible company and one of my go-tos when I'm heading into the dispensary. Their consistency and price point keeps them in my regular rotation of gummies. I love their 100 milligram canisters that have the little 5 milligram bites in there. They make it easy to monitor dosage and not get unexpectedly blasted. The chill ones are my favorite. They're this banging watermelon flavor and one thing that I love about these edibles is that they taste great sometimes you get some edibles that pack a punch but taste horrible and drops i have to be careful with because they taste so good that i just want to eat them like a bag of sour patch kids with drops you can choose your edibles based on how you want to feel that's possible because drops are made with live rosin a solventless full spectrum cannabis concentrate as a full spectrum concentrate rosin contains the full array of psychoactive compounds in cannabis which work together to give each strain its unique effect all of their cannabis is flash frozen and processed into that live rosin the flash freezing prevents plant material from decomposing and preserves terpenes that evaporate during the traditional drying and curing processes they come in 10 different flavors and strains to choose from including several cbd variations you can find drops at your favorite local organ dispensary just tap into the link in the episode notes to find a supplier in your area Big thanks to Drops for their support. Let's start the episode. happening everybody welcome back to another episode of the dan cable presents podcast thank you for tuning in to the program once again if this is your first time listening thanks for checking out the show you can find fresh episodes coming at you every tuesday and if you want to help support this thing in a free way you can do so by clicking subscribe on itunes clicking write a review giving the podcast five stars all those things and uh that's a great way to help strangers find the podcast and just a great way to contribute to the growth and sustainability of this thing appreciate
appreciate the hell out of all the folks that have already taken the time to leave those reviews. If you're not listening on Apple, just hit like, follow, subscribe wherever you are listening from. Tell a friend about the podcast. Tell a friend about the monthly playlist that I've been dropping every first of the month. Those links will be in the episode notes for those. They're on Apple and Spotify and pretty spread out genre wise. Just a snapshot of what I'm listening to throughout the month some things that are coming out of portland oregon some things that are making it into my dj sets so check those out stoked to get into episode 349 portland-based singer-songwriter multi-instrumentalist and producer dakota theme is on the podcast we were also joined in the conversation by dakota's bandmate and housemate guitar player Ben Bellotti, which was nice for some outside perspective on Dakota's process and the music that he and his bandmates are making. Really enjoyed hanging with these dudes over at their place. Got to see the basement studio where a lot of the new music that you'll hear has been made. First time ever meeting Dakota and Ben and both of them couldn't have been nicer. Looking forward to running into them more out and about in Portland. And I'm also hoping to see them out in Boise at the end of March for Tree Fort 11 out there in Idaho. Incredible music festival that I've been out to the last couple years. And to celebrate the coming of Tree Fort 11, I had a chance to catch up with founder of the Tree Fort Fest and former guest of the podcast, Eric Gilbert. So before we get into the main conversation with myself and Dakota theme, this is me catching up with Eric Gilbert and talking this year's Tree Fort going down March 22nd through the 26th. Well, I'm stoked to to catch up with you. I'm getting pumped for for Tree Fort 11. So, just wanted to catch up with you about what attendees and artists can kind of, you know, expect that are heading out there this year and uh thought we'd start with maybe, you know, the biggest change this year and that's having the the new main stage. So, yeah. talk to me about the new main stage setup and and how that has kind of impacted the the whole setup of things. Yeah, it's been quite the lift for the team, but also kind of, you know, an exciting project. Like we, we like doing these sorts of things. I mean, we, we, we often have, in fact, we have a few other new venues we're working on, but it's interesting for those that have come for multiple years, especially those that don't live here. If you're coming out this year where the old main stage is, is now a pretty d- deep pit and where they're d- building and like the, where ale for it was, was, I think they're already about four stories up on the building that, that they're building and oh, wow. all the streets around there and even around the Neurolux and stuff are all under construction. Like there's a lot happening in downtown Boise right now in that regard. Um, and it's exciting, but it does mean there's just shifting landscape and in, in town. And so we've moved it to, a, a, it, it's actually the oldest park in Boise. It's called Julia Davis park. And it's, uh, it's one of the ones that's actually on the city side of the river, city side of the, of the river. So it's close by and, um, it's got some deep history. And in, in fact, there's on Wik- Wikipedia, it says the Velvet Underground played played there at, at, at some point. <laughs> but I haven't ver- I haven't verified that yet. But I know like in there in the 90s and stuff, but there, there's an old band shell there like that built spill used to play nice. all the time. And so there's been there's been a little less of that kind of action in that park for a long time. And it's right by the zoo. And so so we're building a whole kind of main stage campus there where um, there will be three kind of pretty good sized stages. Um, half the park will be wristbanded, half of it won't. So like Ale Fort and Kid Fort and all those things are gonna be there. So yeah, it's gonna be an interesting, I think it'll feel a little bit more than 
than it has in the past of a hybrid festival kind of being a park festival and a multi-venue festival. And um, we're excited about it. And where the, where the park is, is about a five minute walk from where the new Treefort Music Hall is. So it's close to stuff. And then, um, but it is going to change the way pe- pe- people flow. And it's even me who works on the schedule a lot. It was really hard to just like wrap my brain around, like, you know, it, all these shifting changes, like what the experience is going to be like yeah. and stuff. So I think we're excited to see how that all kind of come to fruition. And we have a couple other new venues that we were wor- working on activating an old bus station and a few other things. So, yeah. Is that just like one of those things where you're like, it's a bummer, you know, like the chain, but the change is kind of like inevitable being that you are throwing a festival in the middle of downtown and things like that are likely to, to change over time. I'm sure this isn't like, wasn't a big surprise that the main stage had to move. This must've been something that had been in the works for a little while. I think the bigger surprise was that we lasted 10 years on the same uh, parking lot in downtown Boise. <laughs> so by the time it was happening, it didn't even feel like a bummer. It felt like something we knew would eventually happen. It was really cool, actually, that I landed after completing 10 years on the other spot. And it's just kind of a cool pivot point. There's a lot of changes. And yeah, it's been a lot of work. But like I said, kind of exciting to rethink like what this what the experience could be like. And I think in a lot of ways it's going to be better, you know, for at, at, at the very least, like st- standing on grass for five days is going to feel better on the body, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you can yeah. kind of like sit and chill in the grass too and not, not sitting on asphalt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and there's just going to be a lot of other amenities like that. Um, and it's cool because the green belt here, which is a very popular like bike corridor through the whole valley really is like right next to it. And it will actually create some different patterns, how people get around. But I think in some ways they're going to find it pretty efficient if, if they're using bikes or boards or whatever, there's, going to, there's a lot of more uh, of a pedestrian pathways. It's really close to the university. It's going to be interesting. I'm sure it's going to have some things. We'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll have notes after this year where we can improve on it. So yeah, um, feel free to file your complaint <laughs> slash constructive criticisms and uh, <laughs> just DM them to the tree for Instagram. <laughs> yep, yep. Perfect. Just be, but, friend, be, you know, be, be friendly about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's also going to be cool though, to like, you know, you didn't know 10 years ago that this festival would just like grow into what it is. So it's gotta be nice to like be designing a made stage that is maybe a little more suitable for like the capacity of this thing yeah. at this point. Yeah. And I'm just really grateful. We found a, a potentially a long-term partner there. The parks are really excited about it. The zoo is excited about it, but it, we have to make sure it works. But the, I mean, I was, you know, we were, we went over a lot of different options before we, we realized that this is, the best option long-term in downtown Boise because hopefully no one's going to develop the park anytime soon. I, I doubt it, but yeah. <laughs> no. uh, outside of the main stage, I know there's some other new venues, including the the debut of this tree fort music hall. Tell me more about that in the, uh, the other venues. Yeah. So with tree fort music hall, it's been, I guess we didn't really like break ground till last summer on the venue portion. So it's been moving actually pretty quickly and it won't be totally done, but it will be done enough that we'll be able to operate in, which for us feels really natural. Cause we, you know, like we're going to be activating an old bus station, but it is certainly not done in any fashion either. So we're used to doing kind of <laughs> pop-up stuff, but tree for music will be mostly done. It's, it's a little over a thousand cap all ages room. Going to have really incredible lights and sound really cool. Like custom bar. We'll have, kind of the spirit of tree fort baked in into it. And I think it's going to yeah. be a cool new amenity for downtown Boise in general. Um, there is a rooftop to it, but it won't be done for the festival. So 
that'll be a future experience for festival goers. And we're also act, act, activating an old school will be the new artist lounge. And um, there'll be like an all, all ages venue in there. And then we're activating this old bus station. They'll have, it's kind of like an, in my mind, it's kind of like this art punk activation. We'll have Mad Alchemy Liquid Light Show there with a stage outside and nice. a stage in this old bus garage and then a immersive art experience in it. And uh, yeah, otherwise most of the venues are relatively the same. And um, yeah, it's, I think it's going to be cool. <laughs> will, will that Liquid Light Show be what was going on in the Masonic Temple yes. last year? Yeah. Dude, those yeah. rooms were so cool. And I know that's got to be like the bittersweet thing of, again, like doing this in a, a city where you don't like necessarily know how long you're going to have these spaces. And I think last year you even knew that you would only have it for that time. Is it is it hard to like invest into a space and like kind of get maybe a little attached to like what happened, like the magic of those rooms yeah. last year. And everybody seemed very stoked on seeing music in those rooms last year. Yeah. Yes. And no, I mean, I, with that one, yeah, I even followed up with the developer this summer. I was like, are you sure you're going to start yet? Cause so we can use it again. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, I'm sure. And like, but at least like you said, going in, we knew that was the case. So we really had the vantage point like, Hey, at least we can give the community this experience of this space before it changes. But it is a, I, admittedly a little bittersweet too, because it was a quite the tease. It was a pretty special experience. And sim similar with the bus station, it's going to get developed in a couple of years, but the current owners are like, yeah, do whatever you want with it in the near term. So it is fun to like activate these temporary spaces, but we will run out of them eventually. <laughs> down, so. And it has been very much a part of the festival. Like from the get-go, that was kind of when we started the festival over 10 years ago, we you know, it was not that long after the recession, there was a lot of empty spaces to activate, empty parking lots to activate. So um, as the festival grows and the city grows, it definitely changes sort of the, the, the landscape, but um, yeah. Yeah, well, it's very, very sweet to also have this this new Tree Fort Music Hall and kind of have like a flagship for the hometown of this this festival. Yeah, yeah, no. It, it's been, a, it's, I think it's gonna be a good foundation for us as an organization. And then, yeah, just a new offering in general in town. And, um, yeah, pretty excited about it. And, um, it's, it's, you know, it is a lot for the team. They're like the first show is March 9th, 19th. We scheduled one three days before the festival, just so we could get one under our belt. Um, yeah. but you know, so it's just a lot, it's the same team that does the festival that's doing the venue for the most part. So it's, you know, it's a lot of new things all at once. Luckily, and that's kind of my spirit about it. I keep pitching from the, from the get go was like, well, we activate all these stages, 30 stages, stages during the festival. Anyways, what's just adding one more. We can do yeah. it. You know? so, <laughs> that's yeah. that. Is that that pup Joyce Manor? Yeah. Bill, yeah. that's going to be, that that's, that'll be a cool way to open up that room. I was pretty excited about that. It was perfect. For just a <laughs> raucous fun show. And yeah. Is there any new forts this year? Um, not really. I don't think so. Uh, my, my daughter who's nine pitched me cat fort the, the other day. She's pretty excited to start her own fort, but I told her <laughs> it's a, there's a waiting list for starting forts. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> reach the full capacity of forts at yeah, this point. Exactly. There's, a, there's a couple of new activations. Like there's this thing that we're calling Federal Forest, which is a sober space within the main stage foot, footprint um, that is, you know, lo lovingly kind of referred to as sober fort. And we're doing a lot, kind of like a, a lot more. I mean, we've always done a lot of like mental health awareness related pieces. And that's kind of a, an extension of that. And there will actually be a pet activation at the main stage due this year or in that whole park and but yeah there's some new things but not 
official forts, I guess. So. And and the the space bar has got a little revamping to it. Yeah, this year. I'm excited too. Yeah, and they they're not quite open, but I think they're opening any day now. But I'm really excited for them. It's been a long haul for them, and I think there's going to be a little more space for music. And I'm nice. excited to see see that new space. It's basically for those familiar with the festival. It's it's really close to where they were before. It's kind of just across the parking lot. But yeah, nice. And it seems like the the comedy end of things is growing, like nailing the big the big headliner Tig Notaro coming out this year, which yeah. is really cool. Yeah, very excited about that. And then yeah, comedy fort in general, I think is looking good. And yeah, the forts, yeah, just seeing that programming kind of rise up and taking some chances on some new opportunities on those fronts. And then I think there's some cool stuff, you know, like Ani DeFranco is doing also a conversation kind of part of story for it. Nice. Uh, Margot Price is reading from her book and we've done stuff like that before, but definitely trying to expand on that sort of interactive other ex- ways to experience what an artist does and who, the, who an artist is. So, yeah. Is there anybody that you're particularly stoked about that maybe is like not one of those big headliners that somebody would automatically recognize from the top of the list? Yeah. One of the bands I'm most excited about, we've been trying to get him here for a few years. I saw him in Guadalajara in 2019, this band called Son Rompe Para. And there, I saw him in this cool, like plaza pub thing. And we were on a second floor watching from above, but they're basically like a marimba led punk band. And uh, they, they, instead of guitars, they have, uh, they have two marimbas and they play it hard and they play punk music, but a lot of cumbia too. And uh, they've, I've been trying to get them to Treeport since then, and they've actually been breaking into the States the last year or so. So uh, they're getting some good traction, but they're going to play a couple times at the festival and I think will be really fun and based on what I've seen in the past. So that's that's at least one of them. They're from Mexico City, I think. So. trying to get as many of those international bands on the lineup it's like always so exciting to see things that are like not from here and and are often like some of my favorite experiences usually that i take away from the experience another interesting one this this year is actually it it kind of got started from a film fort side of things and the film fort team sent me this documentary about this these two guys from swaziland africa who fell in love with like american country music like um they're big dolly parton fans johnny cash fans and they started right you know they're very you know sincerely writing country music from that vein and um it's all about and so we watched the film and it's it's really cool it really just tells kind of the artist path in a really interesting light that i really resonated with but then also it, it was kind of a cool new lens to look at american country music from uh, some guys in rural Africa that, that fell in love, love with it through the voice of America. And so we're actually bringing them out too. So they're going to play with a Boise country band to play with them. And Hell yeah, I think this is the class of the clash of culture there. And these guys seem really cool. I, based on watching the film, I feel like I know them now. So um, I think that's going to be cool. So the film's going to show and then also have those guys playing several times at the festival. And um it's gonna be interesting they're called dusty and stones and that's what the film is called too and i highly recommend checking out the film at at, at the festival too dusty and stones check that out on the list over the hill 
excited to see pd i've been wanting to see pd for totally. a long time and i've missed yeah. him the, like the last couple times that he's come through so it's kind of like i'm building my my yeah. schedule around yeah. trying, it's <laughs> trying to cool. see PD. with pd too like pd actually his drummer is based in boise is a long time uh a me- member of the boise music scene so there's been this interesting uh, connection with them but they haven't played the market and so this is you know so this can be the first show in the market too with all that so we're yeah i'm a big fan too that's awesome. Um, yeah, man, I'm just, I'm stoked. It's, uh, this will only be my, my third tree fort and third trip out to Boise, but, um, it's, it's something that has ended up on my calendar as like one of like the most exciting things of, of my year. So awesome. I'm excited to be back out there and, and see all excited. these bands. Yeah. Excited to have you back. I know it feels like there's Tendency feels like going to be really good. There's a lot of folks from all over coming, which is in a, yeah, I think it's going to be a cool con, con, convening, which as, as you know, that's a big part of kind of the tree fort experience. And yeah, um, I mean, even on the, on the press side of things, it's, it's like pretty exciting to see that there's people from all over coming out to cover the fest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Uh, I was going to say, Oh, I was one thing I, I want to comment is interesting. Like people outside here might not realize, but dinosaur juniors actually never played, played Boise, which is, weird to think about especially with the lineage with uh, built to spill and stuff so that's also yeah. been some somebody we've been trying to find the right timing to bring and so that from a from a boise like historic music legacy side of things dinosaur Ju- jr just seems like they should have played here before but they haven't yeah, so that, that's we're, we're all we're, we're all really excited about that too so yeah yeah that's uh that's a pretty cool way to have them play there for the first yeah. time yeah. is at the the tree fort fest so mm-hmm. well as you mentioned, uh, maybe before we got on the mics, you have like 27 days or so before this thing is uh, is going down. Does it feel like it is getting any easier to figure this thing out each year, or is it always just like year to year? There's always new fires to to deal with. Yeah, this year in particular, it felt like some new fires, but I, just a testament. I mean, this team, especially with because we're building this venue, we kind of built the team out a little bit more, and we have an amazing team on so many fronts, and you know covering you know with the growth of festival there's just additional concerns a lot of things to manage especially in the context of a city like this so i yes it felt a little actually for the first time in a while felt a little more challenging this year but at the same time i it's felt easier because i just feel like the work is like amortized across a really amazing team right now we've always had that but it feels like it's really leveled up in the last year or so post pandemic just surviving that it's just interesting how that kind of like uh, stealed our our will and, and and our ability to do things and so yeah absolutely right on man well i appreciate you uh taking some time amongst all the the madness of of preparing for all these people to be in boise idaho and uh taking some time to to chat with me about tree ford 11 well yeah it's yeah, one last thing on that is, is it, it is interesting. There's so many new things this year, and it is the beginning of a new decade for us. You know, I feel like we're prepared for it, but it's kind of feels natural to start a new chapter with a bunch of new pieces. So, so oh, yeah, and I, I, I appreciate your curiosity and um, want to chat and look forward to seeing you at the festival. Absolutely, man. Look forward to running running into you out there amongst everything. Yeah. yeah. Cool, rent, dude. Renting a bike. 
renting a bike for sure. Uh, boy, I just spend my time on scooters. Oh, like, perfect. Scooters I, yeah. Boise is like such an amazing city for the scooter situation. Yeah, totally. I don't know what's going on with your roads out there, but they're pristine for that, yes. that situation. Yeah. <laughs> it's like one of my favorite parts of coming out to Treeport awesome. is scootering around Boise. Yeah, that's awesome. So get cool. yourself a scooter, get the spin app or whatever, whatever you need to make that happen. We need to get some Treeport scooters, Eric. Yeah. Just yeah, we need to work on that it's, <laughs> scooters should be sponsoring us it sounds it sounds like or vice versa yeah. right <laughs> so all right man i'll let you go and i'll uh, i'll see you in a month and again appreciate your time and uh take it easy thanks bye all right later dude Big thanks to Eric for taking some time to chat with me. That was, of course, the legendary Dinosaur Jr. playing us out of that segment. Stoked to catch them at Tree Fort and so many other artists that I'm excited to see. Hoping to run into Eric. I know he'll be super busy. And he's uh, also just like such a, a key part of that entire music scene in Boise. So if you want to hear more about Eric and how Tree Fort got started, I recommend go back to last year's conversation right around this time. And I've got a bunch of podcasts lined up to be recorded out there at this year's festival. So heading into April and May, you'll start to hear those conversations roll out. And now for your main feature of episode 349, my conversation with Dakota Theme and Ben Bellotti. All the links to keep up with Dakota Theme and Tree Fort will be in the episode notes along with those playlist links. If you're a Portland, Oregon local, you can also catch Dakota on March 30th at Mississippi Studios with Sam Pinkerton, who I've got to get on the cast. She's a killer songwriter and doing some cool work within the songwriting community here in Portland. So uh, don't miss that one over at Mississippi Studios, March 30th. And check out the new Dakota theme single, Together Till the End, which just dropped last week. And we're going to kick off episode 349 with one of Dakota Theme's other most recent singles. This one is called Angeline. It's available on all the streaming services. Let's do the damn thing. Just like the side of the rising sun, you dawned on me.
All right, stoked to uh, to chat with y'all. It's nice to we got Ben here as a as a guest to the conversation and can hopefully add some some insight into your uh, your songwriting, Dakota, and the, just yeah. like this whole band and how it's shaken out. But uh, let's start with this. How do you say your last name? Good question. It's a theme. All right. Yeah, All right. Like I've been saying it right then. Song or whatever. All right. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Got that out of the way. Yeah. But um, yeah, as we were talking before we jumped on the mics, uh, got to see your your band play for the first time last year, opening for Dante Elefante at Mississippi Studios, which I, I think is always nice to get to see a band for the first time in such a oh, yeah. a great venue, especially. Um, a band like yours that I feel like is just very dialed in. I was like really impressed with the tightness of the, oh, wow. the set that night. I think it was like really clear that y'all spend a lot of time trying to dial things in. So it feels like pretty seamless, you know? Yeah. So we, we try our best. <laughs> <laughs> so it was cool to, uh, for that to be my introduction, I definitely like heard your name around town, like oh, seen cool. it on bills and whatnot, but it was, it was cool to, yeah, get the live experience and then kind of like dive into the recorded material a bit. But yeah, man, don't know a ton about you. So, yeah. um, would love to just like dial it back to the beginning and just like talk to me about how you got interested sure. in playing music. I, I know that the Beatles has to be like a big fucking deal to you. You can, you can hear it in your music, I think <laughs> in, in the best of ways. Yeah. Like I, I was just talking to Cameron Spees, local engineer and producer and, and I've just about like how much we both enjoy when influences do shine through, oh, okay. you know? And I think oh, that cool. yours seem to. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, totally. So I, I mean, I like, I guess to dial it way back, I, I took piano lessons as a child, like starting at like seven years old and I hated it as most <laughs> kids do, you know, but I like loved playing music. I just didn't, I think at that age I like didn't really have like a music like a, my own taste in music yet. Yeah. So I didn't really know what I wanted to play, but I, I enjoyed doing it. Did the piano um, like seem to like make sense for, to you, like from a yeah. young age, like, was that not the thing that was like turning you off as far oh, no, as it, no, it wasn't piano itself. Like I, in fact, like I remember like trying to figure out how to play like the star Wars theme song. <laughs> uh, cause like all the, all the stuff they were like supplying me with to play was like, nursery rhyme or like classical stuff and i just wasn't interested in that i guess at the time now i love a good nursery rhyme (laughs) (laughs) but uh but yeah i don't know i i guess like my musical taste really blossomed like when i was in high school middle school high school i guess and it was very i was always very drawn to like 70s 60s 70s music like first i would say like you know obviously the Beatles and like Pink Floyd and like my dad used to play like the Bee Gees a lot growing up. So like, that's definitely a big influence as well. Like Barry Gibb as a songwriter and everything. Did anybody else in the family actually play music or were you just kind of like surrounded by your parents playing a lot of music around you? Uh, I get my, both of my parents don't play music, but they both like love music. Yeah. And I think my dad, like I remember my dad always saying like he thought, like the the idea of someone like sitting at a piano and being able to like sing and play was he always thought that was like super cool and he wishes he could do that you know 
I was telling him it's, it's not too late, but, <laughs> uh, he must be stoked about what you're doing then. <laughs> yeah. He's, I, he's pretty proud, I think, you know, <laughs> but, uh, my sister also took piano lessons like at the same time. She's a few years older than me. Uh, but I guess she just didn't stick with it. It didn't click as much for her. I remember when like one Christmas she got a guitar for Christmas and I didn't have a guitar yet or anything. This, I was probably like nine or something. And I was like, wait a second, like, why is, why is she getting the guitar, you know? And then if, if I just, like, took it, Swooped basically. It. Yeah, like, <laughs> nice, a couple years nice. later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess there's some, some of my, like, early musical development, I don't know. Like, yeah, when, yeah. You were, when you were learning the keys, was there an early interest in trying to, like, compose stuff of your own, or were you just kind of learning covers and learning the fundamentals of... Yeah, to, I was you know. I was studying the blade. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't really like try to like write stuff really until later. I just mainly learned other people's songs and, uh, but I I think that I, like I don't know, I think you kind of have to do that to some extent to to be able to write songs. You know. Yeah. Like, at least for me, like I learn I learned so much about songwriting just from learning other people's songs you know yeah it makes it easy to like connect the dots sometimes yeah is is that something you find helpful even now uh like like learning covers like is that something you you like to do still totally yeah in fact like if i ever feel like i'm in a creative rut or like writer's block or something i i find that like if i just learn someone else's song it like can spark some new inspiration or whatever like oh i like that chord progression or I like that chord change or maybe like a melody, like a fragment of a melody or something, yeah. you know? So that kind of stuff can like spark new ideas. And what was like uh, the, what was the spark for like your interest in songwriting? Um, I think honestly, it just kind of like blossomed out of like, like I went to college for advertising and I just like hated the like culture of it and like the, like, I don't know. I just felt like a total outcast in the, the, in that like program. And I think it just like, it's like one of those things that you, you just realize that you, I don't know. It came from like a place of like knowing what I didn't want to do kind of. And yeah. I've always like loved music and like, I've always like secretly wanted to be a songwriter. And so I just like, I was like, well, I don't really want to do this other stuff that I'm working towards. So I'm going to like, just like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I guess it's, it's something that I've always felt like I wanted to do, but I didn't like allow myself to do it yeah. yet or something. But the music like remained a constant even through that time you were oh, yeah. like either playing guitar or messing around on the keys. Yeah. I mean, like, I was like, even in like all through college, I would like kind of write songs, you know, but I didn't like fully pursue it until like after I finished college, I guess. Did you play out at all? Like in high school, did you have any like sort of band or like Not in really. college, would you go to open mics or anything like that? Or was it like a pretty private thing to you that you just kind of yeah. did and not a whole <laughs> lot of people knew that you were tinkering around with the uh, um, songs? Yeah, I, I guess I did like a couple open mics, like probably less than five throughout all of college. But, uh, but no, I never like went out and played my own music or anything, you know? Yeah. So... Were you always like writing lyrics of, of some sort like around that time? Like, did you, you find that to be a pretty consistent outlet for you, even if you weren't 
sharing tunes with anybody? Um, no, not not really, honestly. Because I like, I didn't really have any like recording equipment, or I had like some things, but I, I never like recorded full songs or like. I would kind of like just start writing something and then never finish it. Yeah. So, it wasn't until like after college where I I like graduated and then I was like, well, I don't really want to like go work at an ad agency. So I'm like, what do I really want to do with my life kind of a thing? And that's when I like really went for it, you know? What did that look like for you? Like just going for it? Yeah. Uh, I guess, I mean, I, I've obviously still had to like work at a few other odd jobs to make it happen or whatever. But, um, like I just started consistently writing a lot, like every week, like try and write a new song. And a lot of them weren't very good, but you know, when they, when they do, when they are good or when I, when I think they're good, it feels amazing, you know? So I don't know. I just like invested in more gear and just started like learning how to record my own music. And I feel like if you listen to like my first album to like what I'm doing now, yeah, it's like you can literally like hear, it's like you're witnessing me like figure out how to record kind of. For sure. I don't know. And like produce and arrange and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I don't know. I've just, it's been like a journey of figuring out things as I, as I go both as a songwriter and like learning how to record and just like make a song from scratch, you know? Yeah. And you just kind of like learning all of that together. Obviously you had like the, the fundamentals of the instruments already kind of like locked in. Yeah. The the early experience on the keys and then picking up the guitar, but the, the recording stuff was, was something you were kind of like gravitated towards from the get go as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cause like I was working with a friend of mine's dad who has a studio, uh, for some of the early songs, you know, and that was like before I even met Ben and everything. And then like the, I guess I was, get, I got like impatient with the, the <laughs> process of that. And I was like, there's so much I could just do on my own. Yeah. And so I just kind of took it into my own hands, you know? Uh, so I don't know. It's been like, it's funny. Like I, cause I played a lot of the drums on like the I first and second album yeah. and, and like the, I don't know. The first album I used like three mics on the drums and like, <laughs> I didn't even like know how to use like an overhead mic, you know? It was like this weird, like over the shoulder thing, you know, like, <laughs> but it's, and now I I feel like I've got it more dialed in, but, but yeah, it's been, it's been fun learning all that stuff. And Ben has basically been there since the beginning of like, I mean, he's played on like every song pretty much, you know? So I met Ben at the hallowed halls. Okay. Um, if you know, absolutely sure you know what that yeah. is. Yeah. Uh, we were like interning there together and hit it off pretty pretty quickly it's like uh, summer or fall of 2018 i feel like yeah i think yeah, like end of summer and i had like just finished school and i and that was like you know part of that realization of like i don't want to just go like work at some yeah. desk you know so i started interning there and that's how we met and like i think within like f- probably like five months or something we played a sh- our first show together and you were pretty serious about like the recording end of things as far as like, I'm going to get like an internship and like really understand how to use this gear. Yeah. You feel like that's like also just, yeah, maybe going to back to what you were saying about the impatience, but just wanting to not have to have somebody else to like facilitate 
yeah your ideas and being able to like jump on kind of any instrument to at least get like the that initial demo in yeah. order yeah i guess because i i don't necessarily think of myself as like a insane perfectionist or whatever where i like do a, a million takes i mean sometimes i guess but uh, I guess I just like to have more control over what everything ultimately sounds like, you yeah. know, but I, but like, you know, me and Ben and like our, some of our other bandmates, Alex and Jack who plays drums, Alex plays bass. I feel like we've got a good like working relationship where like, cause I record a lot of my own parts, but like if I, if I don't really know or don't really have like a strong idea, I'll have them come up with something. And usually it's just like amazing yeah (laughs) i don't know it just works really well so what about with the drums like when you jumped on them did it feel like you uh just kind of naturally took to that like do you feel like the the amount of times that you spent playing keys lended itself to that being that that can be like such a percussive instrument yeah that's a good question i don't know like i guess i've always just listened to music like from every angle or whatever. And like, cause I like got a drum kit when I was like 15 and just like, actually it's funny. Like I, I was like obsessed with like rock band, the game, you know? <laughs> and that's like, honestly, basically how I learned drums. Really? Cause like the, yeah, like the, the motion of like the, the kick pedal and like the hi-hat and snare, like it's to, like, the same exact, it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's the same thing with the rock band drum kit. Like, learning like how to separate your like leg with your like (laughs) hands to like you know hit the drums and so then I was like this is fun like I could probably play a real drum kit with this like motion you know and so I got like a drum kit like a cheap drum kit and that's so I like I kind of knew how to play drums already I guess but I I don't know like it's funny like I I feel like I've gotten a lot better at drums just from like songwriting and like I'll like hear a part for drums in my head as I'm writing it. And then I just like figure out how to do it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Are there any tracks that you've actually like started on the kit or like with a drum loop? Yeah, actually not, uh, nothing that that's like actually re- more recently I've been doing a lot more of that. Like I'm trying to think of an example. It's like, I think some unreleased stuff that I'm okay. working on now kind of started like that, but nothing really on the first two albums. But a lot of times I start with just like a rhythm idea in mind, like whether it's a, a like on the piano or or guitar, you know. Yeah. But not so much drums, but but now definitely, yeah. Yeah. Do you feel so. like all of those really change up your vocal approach? Like if you're writing on guitar versus keys, yeah. Versus like a drum loop. Yeah, I, I think like because some of the newer stuff that I've been doing is like the drums are a lot more like kind of R&B like a little, little more sexy or something so yeah. I feel like that influences the the vocals you know yeah I don't know <laughs> no I think I think like to me you can uh always hear how like maybe a drummer like approaches vocals yeah. in such a like more rhythmic way mm-hmm. i don't usually shut up about phil collins he's my oh nice. he's my favorite so like that's that's my you know my standout example but even totally. you know local drummers i know like chris spicer who plays in camp crush like i've seen that dude lead um some songs and there's always like something 
rhythmic about what he's doing vocally that feels a little different than someone just like riding on a guitar or like yeah even with the keys it always feels like i don't know like it sinks more into the pocket with the keys just because yeah. it is rhythmic as well totally yeah I, I love it when drums like really accent things instead of just like playing a steady beat you know yeah. like when like the piano and the drums can like do the same thing. It's like so sick. Yeah. Where are you, <laughs> you know, <laughs> where are you most comfortable as far as uh instrument? Like, would you say the keys are more of your go-to or the guitar is, I don't, it, it's weird. Cause it, I feel like it changes a lot. Like I, I think ultimately probably piano just cause I like started on that yeah. and it feels more like at home. Like I, I can like play lead guitar a little bit, but Ben's like way better than me, obviously. Rips some pretty but. sweet solo. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like definitely like a little more hesitant to to do that, you know. And I'm not like a I can't really do that on the on the piano either, you know. Like I'm not much of a like solo guy, but I think just in general, like piano is probably more comfortable. Is that yeah. like the uh, the thing that you use most for songwriting, or is it pretty? like balance between yeah. the guitar and the keys. And I know we talked about how the, the yeah. drum influences come in maybe with like stuff that isn't out yet, but yeah. Yeah. I think it's like pretty 50, 50, honestly, like it, sometimes I'll like start writing on the piano and then I'll like try the same chords on the guitar and just like see which one works better or which sounds better. Yeah. But I, I definitely like, I think some of the, like the more complicated chord progressions and stuff I find a lot easier on piano, you know, just cause it's all laid out and it's like, I can, I can do like a, you know, E major over a pretty yeah. easily or whatever, you know, like stuff like that. Not to get into music theory, but. Oh, we can do it. I <laughs> won't understand what you're talking about, yeah, well, but I, I'll pretend. I, don't even know <laughs> I always bring on those people hoping to get like an education. It's like, yeah, yeah. all right, what do you, what's going on here? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cause I don't understand what you're talking about. Yeah. I'm, I'm terrible at music theory, but you know. So like, even though you, you know, didn't really get into the songwriting until after college, it seems like you were pretty like immersed in music like oh yeah while growing up and you were uh, seemed to have like this desire to pick up different instruments and jumping around from from different ones so it's always yeah. been like something you've uh spent a lot of time with totally. even I though mean, you never like really played in any bands and whatnot. yeah yeah that's that's totally true like i've always been like obsessed with music and like i love i've always loved playing music but i just i never like had a and i always wanted to have like a band in high school, but yeah. like none of my friends played music really. Like I, I remember asking certain friends to like, you, you should learn the drums or something. Like we could start a band and no one seemed interested, you know? Like, Fuck off, so, buddy. Yeah. Uh, I'm not interested. Yeah. 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 I don't know. The high school I went to was like very sports focused. I yeah. think there wasn't like, I feel like there wasn't like that many music kids and I also like, I never was in band or anything. I guess that's probably how, it, what that's right. probably what I should have done to meet other musicians. But yeah, but even <laughs> that would have been maybe like a more specific type of musician yeah. that you met. Yeah. Maybe not the right people, but yeah. Yeah. Where did you, where were you growing up? I went to Sherwood high school. Okay. So in this in, general Portland yeah, area. Suburb of Portland. Yeah. For sure. So 
So when you linked up with Ben, was that one of the first times you ever played music with somebody else? Like in a, uh, in a serious, like more serious I manner? Guess, yeah, I guess so. Kind of. Cause like, like, you know, I, I'd like musician friends in college and stuff and we'd like jam, you know, yeah. like whatever that is, like <laughs> making stuff up as you go. Like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Ben was definitely like the first person that I've like really like instantly clicked with musically and we just like like literally the first time we ever hung out like hung out outside of uh interning at the Howard Halls we like made a demo of a song actually the song She's a Mystery we like the first time we ever hung out we made a demo at his house yeah and Ben just laid down some like sick guitar like out of <laughs> nowhere I'm like whoa how'd you do that you know? I think we were both also really tired of jamming yeah which I think was like one thing that was um maybe made us more like motivated to like hang out and like play music together. I think. Yeah. Um, just a little more intentional with what you were doing, even if you didn't know that you were like kind of starting a band or like that you would like last for this long between the two of you. Yeah. I, I feel like, cause I was, I totally agree with you. Like to some extent, like this was like born out of a, uh, desire to like not, just like not jam, jam. <laughs> but I feel like recently I've discovered like a new, a newborn love for like a 2am drunken jam or something like <laughs> yeah. with your friends. I don't know. Like it's kind of funny. It gets a little, it was, yeah, get a little old. I mean like yeah. in college cause like it's like an environment that's very conducive. At least I feel like for me for like jamming and I was kind of tired of it, but I'd already play, I, I came from playing in bands before I hung out with Dakota. So I did have like that outlet of playing in other bands, but yeah. um, it was nice to like meet someone new and then just actually have someone who had like ideas. And then I was like, Oh, and then I can add to them, you know? Yeah. It's also cool that it seemed like y- y'all were like learning the recording process together. So like totally. there's that added element of not only like, Hey, we're going to make some music together, but we're also going to like work on our sound engineering skills together yeah, and get yeah. that out of it as well. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like Ben start like at the beginning knew way more than I did about recording. Like I remember it's definitely flip flop now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just like went super hard on it. I don't know. But uh but you still know a lot. I mean Yeah, I was more into like the tape like messing around with tape machines and like Yeah. I had a task cam that my friend Lee gave to me when I was in in college and so I messed around with that all through college and so that was kind of like how I got interested in it. Um but yeah, that was definitely a bonding point between both of us. Totally. I was going to say, I just remember that first time we ever hung out, we were like, you had your little Tascam four track and you like set up a room mic and I was like, whoa, what's a, what's a room mic? Like, what does that do? <laughs> I, yeah. I this guy even, knows everything. I, know, I don't even remember what we were using it for, but we were getting pretty weird. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I'd ever heard of a room mic at that point, honestly. <laughs> Did you, uh, like recognize something good in Dakota's songwriting from the get go? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I I remember, um, when we were at the Howl Halls, it would be so dead most of the time. And then like, if he would hang out and be there when I was there, we would like just kind of mess around. Like he'd be playing, well, we sort of jam, I guess, but, um, but he would play some stuff and, and then I remember you sent me a bunch of, um, demos, like maybe two or three songs, um, that you had recorded, I think on like garage band or something. Oh yeah. 
Um, they're horrible recordings, but but I just remember the hearing that yeah, they were like really. Co- I mean, they were really catchy and like obviously um, just kind of refreshing because I was kind of playing more like sort of like a more punk rock band at the time, and then like doing more like a country rock band with another group of guys, and so it was kind of nice to have more of this like kind of almost poppy, catchy thing going, but not like corny, but just like just like really good, well written, catchy songs. Like, yeah. So I definitely recognize that. And then it was funny because I actually remember playing some of them um, over. I was like living with my parents at the time. And so playing it on my parents, like hi-fi setup or whatever. And um, they were like, whoa, this is really cool. Like, Well, yeah, it's got like that. I don't know what you do. Definitely captures that that timeless sound. And yeah. it feels like, you know, it would have kind of that mass appeal as far as being able to cross over to like different generations. Yeah. Like I understand why, like, well, why like our parents would also enjoy yeah. this music as well as like, you know, people at our age. Oh, totally. Yeah. And I feel like, cause I've always personally been like just in general, like more drawn to like older music. Yeah. But I, I listen to a lot of like, I listen to, you know, I listened to the new uh, SZA album, you know. Like, <laughs> I'm cool. But, uh, I, I know the new SZA yeah, album. Yeah. I'm hip. I'm cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like there's a lot of people our age that are like that. They like, they love old music and they they keep up with the new stuff too. So it's like, yeah, you know what I mean? There's, I mean, there's just like something I think really special about something that translates for. Yeah that long you know totally and dig into something and like i think it's cool hearing your band because it, it would be i think if nobody knew what it was it, it would be hard to place on like yeah. where like what is this like when is this from you know yeah. and i think that's a cool yeah cool element of it for cool. sure thank you yeah. yeah i always have a hard time like defining the genre i guess because like if it was if it was like 1975 or whatever it'd just be like pop yeah or rock. rock and roll yeah but it's like it's not so easy to categorize now you know mm, i yeah <laughs> i think in this city i would like maybe call you a rock and roll band just oh, okay like, cool that's what i tell everyone like yeah. you're not like uh it's not like the indie yeah. psych like i don't know raw thing necessarily yeah. that like i feel like portland has a lot of totally. you know yeah. It's that, that tight kind of like rock and roll feel and yeah. When people ask like, like what's the what's the sound? I just always say rock and roll. Yeah. It's like maybe I should It's just rock something. and roll, man. We're <laughs> yeah. just rock. That's what you're going to start saying now, man. Well, I always say like <laughs> indie pop, but that never feels right cuz it's like if you go on Spotify and listen to indie pop, it's like this doesn't sound like yeah. what I'm making. It's like diving you know? more into like the synth pop feel yeah, and, yeah. and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> so you just know. gotta describe if it's yeah. got guitars and drums and bass, you just say rock and roll. Yeah. yeah. That's, I like that. <laughs> that nice traditional kind of like keys sound and yeah. you're not getting too wild on the synths yet, at least for uh, like lately the, I have been actually, but yeah. With the new stuff? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, yeah. I mean it's not like like it's not like synth. Yeah. Uh, it's not like totally synth heavy or whatever, but it, it's, it's there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Creeping into the, Creeping the newer jams. Slowly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I also like, feel like what's maybe some of the like most recent record, the Tangled Heart album, it mm-hmm. seemed like maybe there was a little more space for some of those like yeah. instrumental breaks. 
totally in the songs and like leaning a little bit more into that but mm-hmm. then also still like maintains all the the hookiness that ben was talking about yeah. you know there's st- still that to attach yourselves to what year was uh like when y'all were working at hallowed halls together what year was that yeah like how long before it was 2018 i think and yeah like end of 2018 so was that like when you started working on tunes early on is that like most of what somewhere under the sun became uh yeah exactly yeah so we like basically spent all of like 2019 recording that yeah um and some of the songs i'd written already like in late 2018 but like yeah pretty much all of 2019 was spent like recording and writing some of that and then uh mike you know mike kirkendall yeah he mixed it at like the end of 2019 and then Timothy Stallenwork mastered it. And then we put it out in early, like it came out January 10th, 2020. So it was like two months before COVID hit, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and we were like, <laughs> you know, we were feeling so optimistic and uh, ready to like tour and all that kind of stuff. But it, obviously that didn't happen, but, but it was, it was kind of a blessing in disguise because it gave us so much time to work on. That's why I feel like, so I like Tangled Heart came out like a year and a half later, mm-hmm. which I feel like's a pretty pretty good turnaround for a second album. Absolutely, you know? but it's just because we had so much free time. Yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like too we started working on those new that new batch of songs like almost right yeah. after the release of the first record. Yeah, because we were in true. Palm Springs doing workshopping them and stuff. And totally. Yeah, that was fun. We, me and Ben and Alex took a road trip like. I think it was in June of 2020, like when things, it was like that first wave of COVID like kind of settled a little bit and like people were able to go out a little, like (laughs) occasionally or whatever. Like, and so we just like went down to uh, Palm Springs for like a week and we took like a, some recording stuff and like made some demos of the new songs and that was really fun. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sure it's nice to like just be in a different environment to kind of spark some creativity. Yeah. If you're going down there with that purpose to just like see, see what happens in like such a short time span. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was fun. Yeah. Like wake up, like get in the pool and then like work on some music and then jump in the pool again. (laughs) Alex would make us a couple of drinks. (laughs) Those were the days. It was fun. So was that somewhere under the sun record the first time you'd ever put out any recorded material? Yeah. yeah, I mean the the song Better Unsaid, which is the first song on that album, that came out like April 2019. Yeah. Like as a single, you know, but other than that, yeah, that's like the first recorded music I've ever put out. So, do you think there's something nice about like kind of having like whether consciously or not, I feel like there's some restraint in that. It's like, this is like, it, it does not like when I listen to that record, it doesn't feel like somebody's first release. Like it feels oh, really? like something a little more seasoned than oh. that. I think. Like, oh, thank you. Yeah. I don't know. Must been, kind of attribute to like marinating. the amount of time that yeah you've yeah. spent playing music before yeah. putting anything out. Yeah. It's funny. Cause I, I feel like production wise, it's so basic and like, there's really nothing crazy. It's like all just guitars, bass, drums, and some piano here and there. But like, you know, I, I guess I, I think of it differently maybe just cause it's like, 
compared to some of the productions I'm doing now, it's like so minimal, I guess. Agreed. But I, I think you're right on that. It just feels yeah. like the, you know, the, the performances and the songwriting yeah. seem like it was there oh, regardless yeah. of the production. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well that's, yeah. I mean, I hope so. Yeah. Like, but I don't know. I, I, it just came from like so much. I've been, I was like studying I was, I was learning for so long how to do it, and then yeah. I just kind of like let myself go with songwriting, and it seemed to come pretty naturally, so, yeah. I really dig that On Thank The Run. You. That On The oh, Run nice. song is uh, yeah, That's like it's one of my favorites. Oh, nice. Her mind has changed, but she's always the same In the way of things she the Tangled Heart album was that when uh, you feel like more creative dynamics kind of blossomed between the two of you since so much of the songs were kind of like at least demos were written before you even met Ben or started working heavily together like was there a pretty significant change in kind of how you guys started working together mm. good question well I feel like with Somewhere Under the Sun we had a pretty good like sort of routine going where you were coming over to my house and we would work for, you know, a few hours and then where I would go, I think, I can't remember if we ever, if I ever recorded any stuff over at your, at your house at the time, but I think like we had a pretty good routine going, but I think with the new, with Tangled Heart, I definitely felt like for me, I sat down a lot more and like, um, really thought about guitar parts and like really focused on like when like not to play yeah um and then like writing parts so like some of the guitar solos well i guess all the guitar solos were all like written out and i had never really done that before i was always just totally totally improv gotcha but i don't know yeah and you like blew my mind with some of those solos like (laughs) i remember like the song tangled heart you sent me a video of you playing like I think you had said you'd like spent a few hours like writing it and then you sent me a video and I was like, what the hell is this? This is amazing. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Some of them, I don't really know where they, they came. I mean, I would like have like a weird, like one kind of a jumping off point, like a, an influence or like a, like a player or a song. Um, and I would like kind of, you know, get into that or be inspired by that, but then it, just let it go from, from there um, and see what would happen, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, with that one in particular, I, f- I remember you saying that it, like, you're trying to make it sound like it was tangled. Yeah, yeah. You're like, turning me, like these crazy, like, yeah, some of the no- like, intervals or whatever. Yeah, like that song was <laughs> specifically, like, I remember the guitar solo was like, it, I wanted to sound like entangled, like, 
I love that. Yeah. I, I love when there's like, yeah, some connection to like the lyrical content of like yeah. trying to express that differently, like through the music and not just through the lyrics, but like yeah. you're saying, you know, just like that, those extra accents. I think maybe you should try to do this here. Is it like, yeah, I feel like sometimes like, um, I don't correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like sometimes I'll, I'll, you know, I'll add in my two cents or whatever. Oh yeah. Um, and it's always much appreciated. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, for sure. Definitely. And then there's, you know, cause there's a few, there's a few moments on that record where I think I like, did a keys thing or whatever or yeah. synth thing. Well, the, the song casual catastrophe, the instrumental. Yeah. Ben played drums on that. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which is like awesome. That was just kind of random too. I feel like it was just like, well, I was, I remember playing it's, this kind of goes back to what we we're talking about earlier with like drums, like accenting things, certain rhythm. Cause I was playing, we were just in your parents' living room and they have a piano. And like at the time you had a drum kit right next to it. And so I was playing it and then Ben was just kind of jamming along and like, there's like that part that's like, you know, it's like very rhythmic. And Ben was like hitting the toms like in, in unison with that, like, you know? And I was like, whoa, that's really cool. Like I wouldn't have thought of that. I was like, you should just play the drums on the recording, you know, (laughs) (laughs) like you already know how to play it, you know? Yeah, so, I, I appreciate a lot of takes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Of takes. I appreciate the instrumental track though. Oh, I yeah. think that Thank that you. is like a cool uh, kind of moment of growth on the record, just to oh, yeah. show something different. And I don't know, is there like, do you feel like there's any sort of like additional vulnerability of putting something out that was just an instrumental, or uh, not really think about it that way, or I don't know, just felt like it fit. Well, it's funny. I, 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 when I was like making that song, or like when I was writing that song, I was, I originally envisioned it as having lyrics, but I just like couldn't figure out any lyrics that I thought worked for it. And so I was like, what if we just made like a cool instrumental with this? Because I really liked the piano part, you know. And it's kind of like a honky tonk kind of a. I don't know if that's the right word, but it's someone described it like. I remember at our last show, someone was like, I like that rag song you played. Or I was like, it's like a rock and roll rag. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I just, it's just a fun, because it's like right in the middle of the album, and I feel like it's like almost like an interlude or something. It's yeah, just like a absolutely. fun little... That's how I always thought of it. It was kind of like the intermission sort of, like, you know, you watch Sound of Music or whatever, and the, I think it's Sound of Music in the middle of it. There's like a theme. Yeah. Also, I feel like it, it could work really well in a movie. 
Yeah. If there's any like yeah. some soundtrack action yeah, for sure. Like a bar fight. Can we or get something? this guy a placement or yeah. what? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the only reason why I'm record. saying that. <laughs> uh, just a you know, a hint. Yeah, yeah. But uh, music supervisors out there. I think that's also like where you see like growth in the record too, where it's like this, uh, you know, more front to back experience yeah. where it has like something like an interlude to lean into maybe just like a next level of thought. But also I think you can definitely hear, you know, the significant difference in like the production style yeah. of that record versus the first. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, I, like I feel like there's, on Tangled Heart, there's a, I got like this Mellotron thing, you know? And so there's like a ton of Mellotron all over it, like the, the strings. And like, I think in that song, there's like Mellotron horns, which they sound like kind of goofy, but I think they're really cool. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like there's, there's just way more like layers and textures that weren't on the first album on, on Tangled Heart, you yeah. know? And I feel like it just like, I feel like the songwriting too, blossomed a little bit more you know for sure maybe i don't know i think yeah i think that there's like a more distinct difference from song to song maybe than there was on the somewhere under the sun record oh okay if that makes any sense totally yeah and i i and i i definitely like i mean pretty much anytime i write a song it's i i try to be very intentional about like i don't want this song to sound like any other song i've ever made you know and but i want i want it to still be like cohesive but I, I I do try to like write songs that are very different from each other, you know. Yeah. Hopefully that comes across. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I never give up on your love track is a banger. That one's oh, that thanks, one's man. so killer. Thank you. Yeah, I feel like that was like a a standout moment of even seeing your live show for the first time. Oh, it's yeah. just like, oh, that track. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, man. Yeah, that's easily one of my favorites. So. Yeah. Is that one of those songs that kind of like maybe sets the bar too for like what you write after? It's like, oh, kind of, yeah. I gotta have, it's gotta feel like this good. Kind of, yeah. That's, yeah, that's a good way to put it. And it's crazy because like that song is mostly just two chords, you know, and I, I wrote it in like 20 minutes, you know, like the lyrics just came so quick and it's, I was just like playing these two chords, you know, like just singing over it. It all just came together so fast. And it's like probably the, my favorite song I've ever written. So I, I've heard like other songwriters in like interviews talk about that too. Like the idea that like their favorite songs always come super quickly, you yeah. know? It's crazy. A little more <laughs> effortless than yeah. others. Coming back to me After all that we've been through You still need me 
you have like demos that have been sitting around for years that kind of like creep back into the fold that you finally like figure out later or um kind of yeah i'm trying to think of an example of that well there's a song on tangled heart called pick up the world where it's kind of like a medley it's like six minutes long and it's like it's like i took different fragments of song ideas that i had and kind of threw them together like unfinished ideas so i guess something like that is kind of related to that but i've never i don't know like there's like a couple demos from a few years ago that i might dig up and and uh work on some more but nothing like i don't know i like i haven't like unarchived a thing from way long ago that i don't know but has there yeah. been has there been a situation yet where like Ben or one of your other band members will like bring you a rhythm to like to us. write to like um maybe like an initial I- idea for something or does it usually always come from something you've created initially? Uh, yeah, it's usually you. I don't know. I can't really think of anything. Yeah, I can't. I can't really think of anything either. But I mean. If you want to, you're more than welcome to, you know. <laughs> Open. Yeah. I like to just do the songs justice. That's like my job, I feel like, and I'm I like I'm comfortable with that. Yeah. Yeah. What what do you feel like the best approach to doing that is? Um, well, I think the first thing is like know when not to play. That's like now that's like the one thing that I really think about like initially is like when am I not gonna play guitar on this? Yeah. I feel like that that's just like so cool to me. I don't know why. <laughs> Tell you serve the songs. Well yeah, and yeah. and I can't <laughs> and I didn't it's not something obviously that I like made up, but I remember hearing I can't remember who it was, but some guitar player talking about like knowing when not to play is super important. And I never really thought about it critically until um you know working with Dakota and so like I said, I'd played in bands previously and that was, I never thought about that like at all. It was just always just kind of shredding like, just, all over that. Just yeah. shred. Especially playing like, <laughs> like in punk rock bands and stuff. Yeah. Like, like <laughs> more power chord, like bass stuff. And like, I mean, I was playing, I mean, those bands I was playing with too, there was, uh, there were, you know, there was like dynamics and stuff and like, um, and there were, there were super fun, great, great bands and had a great time. But like, I definitely like felt like more matured as a guitar player um, you know, when I started playing with Dakota and yeah. I think thinking that way is one of the reasons why, um, yeah, I don't know, but it's definitely, yeah, that's like kind of the first thing I think of, you know, and I just want to do the songs justice, I guess. Yeah. It's kind of like that. There's like some, I've, I don't remember who said it, but it's like that cliche quote, like it's not about the notes you play. It's the, about the in between the yeah. the silence in between the notes or whatever the ones you don't play yeah yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah it's absolutely like, totally it's that's kind of cool because I think a, <laughs> it, guitar is such an easy like I have such like a love like I obviously I love playing guitar but I do feel like I have such like a love hate relationship with it because like a lot of it like kind of is I find just like the shredding and all that I get I'm not really super excited about and stuff like that and so like I I've always been more attracted mm-hmm. to like the kind of tasteful playing styles, I guess, but I do love some good shredding once in a while, though. Every once in a while, you gotta yeah. let it rip, man. But I was gonna say, we gotta <laughs> give you like a, a Yingbe Malmsteen guitar yes. solo at some point. See, like stuff like that, Steve you know, <laughs> not really my bag, but um, yeah, I certainly can appreciate it, but yeah. 
has that primarily been your like your role in bands though growing up and till now like as like the lead player more than rhythm Um, stuff or yeah for the most part i mean I, i my first band i started playing with was in high school um and me and my buddy Ted played. I, I don't really know. We played guitar. I don't really remember if we had like a designated lead rhythm. Like we both would like rip solos and stuff. Yeah. And like, <laughs> um, and then, but yeah, going moving past that, like in college when I was playing in another band with a friend, like, yeah, I was definitely like playing more lead stuff. And, um, but I don't really like to like think of myself as like a lead player. I like to play rhythm guitar too, yeah. you know, and like, um, yeah, but you're an amazing lead player. So, <laughs> what about uh, what about singing, Ben? Are you jumping in on these these harmonies that are um, live? Yeah, yeah, live. Um, the only I think I've only sang on one song, and I think it was Tangled Heart, or not Tangled Heart. Sorry, she's a mystery. Yeah. yeah. Did you have Did you have much experience singing live uh, no, prior to? Not at all. What, what's that experience been for you? Because like that's a fucking huge part of the songs, right? It's like the harmonies yeah. are so, so big in the recordings yeah. and like bringing that out in the live sense. Um, it's definitely, it was definitely like a trip at first. Um, but I, I, for some weird reason, like I'd never sung, I'd never sung with bands previously. It was always just playing guitar. And for some reason, like when I started playing with Dakota, I felt more confident to like sing like back, like there's, like when it was just me and him initially playing live the first like two shows or three shows, whatever we did, I feel like I've, I was doing a lot of oohs and ahs and stuff. <laughs> and like, I felt more confident doing that for whatever reason. I have no idea why, but, um, it's definitely weird. Like, yeah. but I, I have, I, I mean, I feel like I, I'd like to think I have a bit of an ear for like harmonies and stuff. So it's like not a total trip, but it was definitely took a little bit of getting used to. And you're obviously like around the songs a lot. So I'm sure that gives yeah. you time to like figure out your, your place in them. Totally. You're not just like jumping in blindly. Like, yeah. And hey, you, do this. Yeah. And you hear him, you know, you hear him secondhand too. Cause you know, we and Dakota live together. And so he'll be in the basement in the studio and I'll be, you know, upstairs doing something. You can hear him sometimes working on stuff. And like, so you hear that secondhand, like while you're kind of moving throughout your day in, in the house and, which is kind of a cool way to like hear stuff. And then sometimes little things pop into your head, like ideas and whatnot. But, but the singing thing was definitely, it, it was not, you know, I enjoy doing it live. I, I'm not really on the record. I, yeah. you know, there's, yeah. I don't really think there's much place for me there. But that had to have been like Damn. such a, Anytime like, you want to hop on, let me know. Yeah. That had to have been like such an important part, like piece of the puzzle for you though. Like Dakota, like to find people, you know, not only that we're going to like contribute to the record, but then like, how's it going to translate live? Like you got to find people that are at least willing to sing. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, I I mean, for me, it's like the more the merrier, like if everyone in the band wants to sing, like do it, Yeah. like, please. I love that shit. It just like makes everything feel like so communal with the harmonies. Yeah. And I, I think, I think we're all still kind of working on that as a band, but also like, I've kind of like been back and forth with this idea of like, does the live performance need to sound like super accurate to the recording? You know, like part of me kind of likes it to be a little different and same. Um, like I don't, I don't know. Like you see some bands now and it's like, it sounds exactly like the recordings Mm -hmm. live, you know, especially like bigger productions and stuff. Yep. And maybe they're using like some backing tracks or something, but, which nothing wrong with that, but I, I kind of like 
if I see a band live, I kind of want it to sound a little different, you know? Yeah. I think especially like in the spirit of like a rock and roll band. Yeah. Like yeah. I, want a, I want a little bit. Yeah. I want an extra grit. I want to hear some something. bad notes <laughs> yeah. in there, you know? Like yeah. No auto tune. Well, I know? think I like <laughs> something I've mentioned a lot on the podcast in regards to that is that I, I love it if it feels a little different as long as it feels like nothing's missing. Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't mean that I need everything to be a replica of the record, but yeah. I just like, you know, so if there's like someone playing like keys on this part to bring out this thing instead of like a second guitar, that's rad. You yeah, know, as yeah. long as it doesn't feel like, Oh, I missed, I missed something there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like, cause on sometimes on recordings, it's like, it'd be impossible for us to play every part unless we had like a person only <laughs> like two other members playing auxiliary. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And, or like, you know, a lot of the synth synthy stuff is like, I'll lay, like, especially on the newer stuff, I'll layer like multiple synths and it's like, we only have one keyboard player, you know, like, yeah. unless he's got like the Yanni set up with like, 10 keyboards, you know? <laughs> just 10 racks. <laughs> yeah. Fucking sound engineers. Yeah. Nightmare. yeah. Are but, you, yeah. Are you thinking about that much when you're writing the, like making the record? Are you thinking about how is this going to translate or is that always an afterthought of how it will be done live? I feel like I kind of tend to, to like, if I'm making a song or recording a part, like, like my mindset is usually like, I don't know how we're going to do this live, but we'll figure it out when we yeah. get there, you know, like, and usually, you know, usually it works out, but, um, I don't know. Like our, I think our live, that live aspect seems, tends to be maybe more, a little bit more stripped back a lot of the times, but it, I think it, I don't know. I love it. I think it sounds great. You know, as far as having like all this home access to like a studio kind of be able to record your ideas at any time and access to the gear is there ever any like thought of creative parameters just so you can like rein things in as you're still like learning how to do all this is yeah. that ever like important to the process like even going back to what you were saying like it's like those special songs often like happen so quickly and yeah. not like mulling over them forever. Yeah. Do you mean like limiting yourself in terms of production? And yeah. Stuff like just that? like w whether it's production or like setting time parameters or like, yeah. I'm only going to use like eight tracks on this or like whatever. Yeah. I mean, that was definitely the mindset with somewhere under the sun. Like I was like, I don't, I'm not going to use any synths. I'm not, I'm only going to use like real organic instruments. Yeah. And like also not do that many takes, you know, like it was very like minimal and simple, but now I've definitely been somewhat guilty of like going a little overboard at times, you know, <laughs> but it's fun. I mean, I just love experimenting, like trying out different sounds yeah, and man. so For I don't, sure. you know, I don't, I don't know. Like I, I try to limit myself in some ways just to, um, you know, you can like overproduce for yeah. sure, you know? But it's only a problem if it's getting in the way. Like if you're having yeah. fun with the experimentation and you, I mean, I think that's the other nice thing about having the access you do is like, there's no like harm in really trying everything yeah, because you totally. can do it yourself and, you know, yeah, see what it sounds like at least. It's only one way to find out, you know. And then you get like that difference between the two records because of that, because you did have like that mindset with the first one mm -hmm. and then the production on, on you know, the next one sounds 
yeah much different and a little more like i guess bigger and like creates a world in, in yeah. some regards yeah yeah totally uh where do you feel like you're at with like the the newer music like you know angeline just dropped recently mm-hmm. like that track and you know the newer stuff that that people will hear as it's rolled out like do you feel like there's a pretty significant difference like either in the approach or of like the production or like the songwriting yeah uh i don't know i feel like maybe i'm too close to it what's your <laughs> what's your thought on that Can you repeat the question again? just like <laughs> i don't know do you, like where do you like do you feel like there's like a shift with the the newer music coming out like whether it's production or songwriting wise like or- yeah i mean i think i would say um i think it's definitely another it's it's more i think it's a little more an asp more focused on like groove not that the previous songs haven't been groovy but um i think it's you've kind of taken that to especially with angeline to a kind of a newer level of like um of something that that grooves nicely that you can kind of like move your move your body to and stuff um we're slowly we're very very slowly becoming a dance band (laughs) is that is that like a con i don't know are you consciously thinking about that at all though of like hey how can i get people like not only like invested in these songs but give them something to like dance and move to a little bit while like remaining true to what you're doing yeah i it's yeah i'd say it's somewhat conscious you know because like we we want to put on a really good show and want we want to you know we want people to have fun and if you know it's i kind of like the the idea of like introspective music that you can like sing along to but Mm -hmm. also like kind of dance to a little bit if you want you know yeah it's like who who wouldn't who wouldn't want that you know yeah <laughs> but i don't know like it i think it's definitely the newer stuff is is definitely more like kind of r&b based like we were talking about earlier like the you know the somewhere under the sun was like the like 60s psych not psych really but like 60s 70s like singer songwriter thing and then i feel like it's evolving more it definitely like draws from that as well but it's definitely more, um, I don't know, groovy, I guess. Yeah. I mean, you know? I think like your, uh, the songwriting that's been like present from the beginning is there mm-hmm. and like the vocal harmonies are there and mm-hmm. like all that stuff. But it does, I think that's like my first impression with the, the newer tracks is that there is like an additional groove or like a deeper thing to sink into as far as the pocket like i want to play the episode out with backup plan which is the b-side oh yeah, yeah. the digital b-side yeah, to, yeah. to angeline <laughs> yeah. um and like i think that that maybe even you know speaks more to the groove like yeah. than angeline does yeah even. um is there anything you remember about like that particular track coming together or you know what you were uh going through when you wrote that one or backup plan yeah uh I don't know. I guess it's funny. I was, I was, uh, talking to someone about both of those songs recently and they said something about like, both of those songs are pretty sassy. (laughs) (laughs) There's definitely like a different (laughs) attitude. I think in your delivery, like the vocal for sure. Yeah. 
I, I don't know. I thought that was pretty funny, but <laughs> we're making sass, sass rock. Yeah. That, that R and B, <laughs> yeah. that R and B groove is bringing out yeah. some attitude. Yeah. In you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I think it, it, it kind of like ties into like modern dating or something, you know, like everyone's like, I don't know. I, I don't know if I want to get super into yeah, you dating or whatever, but, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's just like the idea of like, not wanting to be a second option yeah. for someone. And that could be romantically or just, you know, professionally or anything. That's kind of where it came from. And I'd just been thinking about that a lot at the time, I think. Yeah. Uh, so I, I guess like the, the lyrically, it, it definitely sounds like it's about like a person or something, but I, I, I kind of wanted it to be interpreted as a, more of like a broader concept. Like I'm, I'm not your backup plan. Like I, I don't want, I don't want I'm not your second option yeah. kind of a thing, you know, like do you think any of the, you know, maybe that sass that that person was referring to would maybe is also uh just like coming through in the tracks because there's more confidence at this point with what you're doing now that you've had like yeah. a few years to like really explore not just your songwriting on your own but now with like other bandmates and you've had the opportunity to like record some music. So mm. yeah, you've got like all that experience under you. Do you feel like, I think so. Yeah, actually, now that you put it that way, I definitely feel more confident as a songwriter and like a singer and everything now. Cause yeah, it's, it's been just the whole, since the beginning, it's just been like, it's all been just learning. Yeah. You know, it's been tri very trial and error, like learning what works and what doesn't. And, and I feel like I'm at a place now where I'm like, I, I just feel like I don't, you know, a lot of people are like really scared to put out new music or not. That sounds harsh, but it, <laughs> that sounds very harsh, but you know what I mean? Like some, a, a lot of musicians I think are putting out new music is like, it feels very vulnerable, which yeah. it is. It yeah. obviously is. Yeah. But like some people are like, oh, I don't know if I should even put this out at all i don't know if it's any good and i feel like i i don't know i just i feel like i'm just gonna put this out and i don't really care you know you're stoked about it yeah so you just hope other it's people definitely will be. vulnerable i'm not trying to belittle the vulnerability yeah. about it or whatever but like i don't know maybe i don't know what i'm saying <laughs> i mean I, but, understand, I understand what you're getting yeah at. yeah like i i just I have the attitude like I'm, I'm just going to put this out and if people like it, then that's awesome. And I don't really care if you don't. Yeah. Like <laughs> I like it. You know. I mean, I think that that's a good place to be when you like, yeah. when you feel like something is good yeah. and you're stoked to share it. I think that will be contagious. Yeah. You know, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. And if not, then, you know, fuck them. <laughs> There's <laughs> a lot of other, you've obviously like found can... some people like Ben who really like dig your songwriting and are invested in, you know, playing with you and yeah. putting the energy yeah. into that. I would imagine like maybe the vulnerability of putting music out. I don't know. Is that maybe a little different for you because your, your voice isn't necessarily the thing yeah. leading it or your name isn't necessarily on the project. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think, I think there is an aspect of like my playing where I, I like to be at, at I like it to be at a certain level where I'll kind of know personally where it's like good. And I've like put a certain amount of effort into like um, writing something that works well with what Dakota's written. 
um, or in any of the other bands like, you know, or in Slender Gems or in Dakota, like I'll like to be at a, a, an idea or I have an idea in my head, work on it. And then I get to a level where I'm comfortable with it. Yeah. And then, um, then I'm ready for it to, you know, be done. Um, so I don't, I think there hasn't been a lot of times where I'll be like, you know, I'll play something and then I'll be like, dude, we gotta, I, I we gotta do that all over again. Like, yeah. you know, a yeah. week later or whatever, where I'm like, I like, I don't like this anymore. Like I try to be like fairly intentional. So, totally. so if I'm like comfortable with it and I kind of get this, I kind of get, have a feeling I know when I'm like ready, like the parts like good, you know, like go for it. Like, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I wouldn't say that I feel necessarily vulnerable, but yeah. it's just I want it to be good and I want it to do the song justice, you know, but. So you got the right people in your camp, dude. Yeah. You got people that care about what's, what is uh, being put out yeah. and what they're attaching their names to. So I think totally. that's also yeah. really solid. Yeah. I think everyone in the band is on the same page and like, you know, we just want to make the best music we can and the best songs and like everyone's everyone's contributions are very um intentional and like i think we really like let things let things marinate like you know what i mean like we're not just trying to like make stuff as quickly as possible and move on it's like we i don't know we take our time with things to make the best product we can you know for sure so Right on. Well, yeah. I, I appreciate you guys jumping on the jumping on the mics with thanks me. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Ben, you were a nice addition to the conversation. Just oh, to yeah, get I hope some, so. Well, it's like, <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Like you said, you're you're so attached to this shit. Yeah. You know, so I think it's like really nice to sometimes get that like outside perspective or just I don't know, just even understanding how things came together in the the recorded fashion or you yeah. know. You're great at Ben. Thank you. You know, I'm glad happy, I could, happy I'm to glad, have you. I'm glad I can contribute. And I didn't uh, even, it's funny. Like I, I, he had the day off randomly today and serendipitous. I, yeah. I just had no idea he would be here. <laughs> so like, you want to be on the podcast? Then? <laughs> it's a good surprise edition. Though. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'll put all the links in the episode notes so people can, uh, keep up with, uh, what you're doing. And like I said before, I want to play the episode out with backup plan, which people can find on all the streaming, services that b-side to angeline definitely check out that one as well and we end every episode of the podcast dakota with the guest saying the uh the tagline for the show which is it's a program so if we can get the dakota theme it's a program we can properly end this thing it means absolutely nothing you can deliver it however you like it's just a a goofy way to end things it's way my grandfather says um program every time he's like talking about a news yeah, like a, a program. program yeah he's he's one of these guys program. he says yeah. program when he's talking about anything that has to do with the, the tv or the the radio program whatever he thinks this is a program and and he's absolutely right it is a program so um yeah you can we can properly sail this thing out with should we, uh should we say it in unison oh a little ben? harmony <laughs> do it. Do it. however you like it's a third a, above mine this is your this is your creative <laughs> choice i'll let you i'll let you do it okay <laughs> <laughs> ready 
It's a program. He nailed it, everybody. That's Dakota theme. Check out the music. Check out Slender Gems. And uh, all those links are in the episode notes. And playing it out with the backup plan from Dakota theme. That is the Jelly Jams. And we will catch you on the flip side, Portland or wherever you are listening from. Cool. You did it. Thank you so much, man. That was fun. Saw you, baby. You took me by surprise, but it didn't take long to see through all of your lies. I'm tired of walking around feeling like the world's about to tear me down. There must be. to distro kid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast and for their longtime support of this thing don't forget to find that discount link in the episode notes or in my instagram bio 30 percent off your first year membership with distro kid helping you get your music in all the places it needs to be and big thanks to drops for making some of my favorite edibles in the game keeping me fine-tuned with their gummies whether thc heavy or cbd heavy Great for stress and solid sleep. Find them at your favorite local dispensary. Appreciate the support. More info on drops in the episode notes as well. Stay up. Stay tuned.